CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Hey there, Options Action fans. I'm Leslie Picker, in for Melissa Lee. We have a big show coming your way. Here's what's on tap. Going for the gold. The Chartmaster sees a shiny new opportunity as the dollar rallies to a nine-month high. Carter Worth is breaking down the charts. Plus, may the force be with you. Tony Zhang is looking to the cloud as Salesforce gears up for earnings. Why he's betting this name could start raining profits. And later, buckle up. Mike Coe is putting the pedal to the metal on Advance Auto Parts. Will this stock hit the gas when it reports next week? It's time to risk less and make more. Options Action starts right now. We kick things off tonight with a big breakout for the U.S. dollar. The greenback hitting a nine and a half month high. And the chartmaster says there's a golden opportunity in the dollar rally. Let's get to Cornerstone Macro's Carter Worth to chart the action. Carter. Well, uh, Leslie, let's look at that dollar again and then let's look at gold. So the first chart is uh, let's spend a bit of time on this. The the, the symmetry, the uh analog of the prior move there, it's remarkable. So we know that you had a 60 session advance. You can see it there on your screen from the January, March period. And the dollar advances 4.7% and gives it all back. And then has an identical move, which we're in right now, right? Of 63 sessions, May to August, also 4.7%. Meaning two distinct advances, the exact same duration and magnitude, and the dollar reversed and closed on the low today, essentially similar to what happened uh, three months ago. Our thinking here is the dollar is going to back away. Now, does that mean gold has to advance? No, but that is the thinking, and let's look at some gold charts. So the first, and we'll move more quickly, this is just a one-year chart of gold, and what do we know? Gold got down 20% back in March, it hit 16.75, and you can see it held that level again, and then again here in July, a triple bottom, if you will. Take a look at the next chart. In fact, that's what you see. Uh, very well-defined level, 16.75, and holding remarkably well. Not only holding, but bouncing with vigor. And next chart, where might gold be headed? I think we're going to get back to the downtrend line that's been in effect over the past year and a half. We peaked in August a year ago, so I think that's closer to 18.50. Now look at the two panel chart that's next. This is gold again with the triple bottom, but look at gold's relative performance to copper. There's a lot of work that's done on the street about the gold-copper ratio, but here's the thing. Gold is nowhere near its May high, you can see on the top panel, but its relative performance to copper, it's making new relative highs above where it was in May. And then the mining chart, GDX. This, of course, this is the Van Eck gold miners, we are now down 25%, right to a prior low. You can see it there. The thinking is, final chart, that we're going to hold this low and bounce. Does it mean it has to go on and make big new highs? It's not about that. It's about trading it here, having just approached a prior low. We think you can get a bounce out of GDX. Bounce out of GDX. Thank you, Carter. Mike Cowell, 
Do you agree? How do you trade this? Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's interesting, of course, a lot of people will say that the miners are levered way to play gold. And, of course, we might ask ourselves, with all of the talk about inflation, you know, why it is that gold and the gold miners have done so poorly of late. And I think a lot of people are probably looking towards the September FOMC meeting, among other things. And, of course, if the Fed does turn more hawkish at that time, that would explain one of the reasons why we've seen strength in the dollar lately, while we've seen weakness in gold and in the gold miners. But to Carter's point, uh, there are some long-term lows that are being put on in the miners, and it's not just price that we're talking about. We're talking about valuation, too. So looking at the price to EBITDA, which is uh, sort of a crude back-of-the-napkin measure of free cash flow, we're at 10-year lows. It's only gotten down to this level of about six times uh, to prior times in the last 10 years on a price-to-earnings basis. It's trading around 14 times earnings. And, of course, the gold miners index and the ETF, GDX, uh, that tracks it, you know, it's really just the three or four biggest miner companies that are in it, including Barrick and Newmont and so on, that actually represent a, a disproportionate share uh, of this particular index. So I think with an eye towards the September FOMC meeting, and looking to take a way to uh, basically get long exposure and also try to offset some of the decay. I was looking at the October 31 calls, buying those. Those were priced just under $1.40 or so when I was looking at those earlier today and then selling the September 33 calls against it for $0.30. Cents. So, uh, you know, a little less than a third of the premium that I'm spending for that longer dated lower strike call and targeting being short in September, because we're going to get that FOMC meeting in that third week. So that was kind of the idea here, basically allowing that shorter dated call to help finance the purchase of the longer dated one. Huh. Interesting and, and smart with the calendar idea as well. Tony, what's your take on the trade? Yeah, so this one is quite speculative in nature because while I agree with the charts on gold where it's significant, we had that triple bottom around 1680. I would like to see gold get above 1800, 1830 to really show that gold has some movement here to the upside. I'm not as bullish here on gold just yet. But the levels on GDX are, in my opinion, constructive. You are at a major support level. You're back at the March lows. You're back at the August breakout levels from last year. So it is a nice place to potentially play for a bounce, especially if you look at Barrick Gold, the Newmont Mining, some of those stocks that Mike mentioned. They're also trading near those support levels. But when you're trying to catch a falling knife as we're doing here, I think it's best to utilize an option strategy that has limited risk. And that's exactly what Mike is doing here. He's limiting his risk to only 4% of the ETF's value. So even if gold starts to drop and GDX breaks below these significant support levels, that's where you limit your losses. And if we do get the bounce, the fact that he's paying less than the width of the calendar spread means that even if we do see a rally here, he's not going to see any losses here to the upside. So for those reasons, I quite like this trade, but I personally would wait for a bit of a bounce before getting long gold. All right. Well, let's switch gears to a software company reporting earnings next week. Tony Zhang says this one could be a force to be reckoned with. Tony, what are you watching? I'm looking at Salesforce, which reports earnings next week, and I think it's going to be likely another strong quarter here. So if we look back to the longer term chart here, after breaking out to uh, last year's earnings at uh, the same time, Q4, uh, Q3 of last year, we saw that uh, Salesforce has consolidated for the better half of the 
of the previous year uh, after breaking out higher here. And just last quarter was the catalyst that it needed to break out above that consolidation range. And if we zoom in a little bit here, it's been basing ever since we've broken out of that consolidation range above, right below this 250 level. And just over the past couple of days, we started to see uh, Salesforce break higher here. And I think that's the telltale sign for what we can expect going into earnings next week and looking at a potential target of up to the 270, 280 all-time highs to the upside. Mm. And if we look at the earnings report itself, right now it's only implying about a 6.2% move, which is actually fairly muted compared to the 7% that we typically average on Salesforce over the past eight quarters. So the trade structure that I want to use to play this upside here is by going out to October and I'm buying the 260, 280 call spread here and I'm paying about $12 for the October 260 calls and I'm collecting about five and a quarter for the October 280 calls. Net net here I'm paying $6.80 and I'm using this types of trade structure because I want to reduce my risk to the downside, especially on a stock that's trading near its all-time highs. So this particular trade is only risking about 2.5% of the stock's value to play for a breakout here on earnings. Hmm. Mike, what's your take? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple things obviously I like about the strategy that he's employing here. For one thing, the implied move on earnings being lower than the historical average move is a situation where you typically want to purchase options on balance rather than sell them because options, relatively speaking, are a little bit cheaper compared to the kinds of moves that you've seen around earnings in the past. That said, Tony's making wise use of a call spread because the strike of the call that he's selling is right near those prior highs. And it's likely that the stock could encounter some potential resistance there. And just in terms of trying to mitigate the risk, I mean, what we've seen in this earnings season so far is that even some great companies that report great results don't have great price action afterwards. So this is actually the quarter where the stock really blew the doors off a year ago. I think it was up 25 or 26 percent after they reported the same quarter last year. So there is some potential upside. But of course, if we get any kind of disappointment on price action after the results like we've seen in some other stocks, including some this week, then that would make buying a call spread a lower risk way to make a bullish bet going into the print than going out and buying the stock. And of course, it's going to cost you less per share significantly as well. Huh. Carter, what do the technicals tell you, especially if the stock doesn't seem to be reacting to the way that at least some analysts would believe uh, it should regarding fundamentals? Sure. I mean, there are only a few of these left. Let's say it that way. Netflix is one. This is one where you're talking about an OEX type, S&P 100 type name that basically has made no progress in 12 months. Its peak was the 2nd of September a year ago. And so a lot of these sleeping giants have popped and come to life. And then others have attempted and failed, Amazon being a classic one. So it's important to do it through options because uh, in the event of the earnings miss or not good enough beat, you're not going to get the move out of the stock uh, that would be required to commit the capital required. Mm. All right. Thank you so much for everything Options Action. Check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter. Here's Here's what's coming up next. Up next, we're shifting into high gear. Advanced Auto Parts reporting results next week. Should you put the pedal to the metal on this trade? Buckle up for that one. Plus... Calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns.
CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. We're gearing up for another slate of earnings next week. And buckle up, there's one name in the group that Mike Coe says could drive higher. It's time for the call to action. Mike, I don't know if the pun gives it away. What are you watching? Yeah, so we're taking a look at Advanced Auto Parts. That's ticker symbol AAP. This is obviously a provider of uh, replacement auto parts. Now, there are, of course, a lot of businesses uh, that people are likely familiar with that do this, including AutoZone and O'Reilly's Auto Parts. There's an important distinction I would like to make between this company and that one. But before we get to that, let's just talk a little bit about the setup going into earnings. Now, one of the things that we certainly are observing right now is that options premia on advanced auto parts are slightly elevated. I will also say, though, that I am pretty bullish on this particular name in the space. And one of the reasons for that is that as we've seen massive margin expansion across the market, we haven't seen it as much here. It's actually trading right about its three-year average in terms of multiples, even as the S&P has expanded quite materially. And I would contrast that with the fact that earnings growth is actually forecast to be quite strong. Full year 2022 EPS of about 12 and a half bucks is probably about double what three years ago the last trailing 12-month EPS was. So from that perspective, you're getting decent EPS growth and at a discounted multiple relative to the market. And of course, because the options premiums are elevated going into this, it's a situation where we probably want to take advantage of that fact and sell options. So one of the things I think I was looking at as a way to do that was I was looking at the September 210 200 put spread. When I was looking at that earlier today, you could sell that put spread for about $4. And that was with the stock closing right about 210. So this is an at the money credit put spread that we'd be selling here. Collecting that $4 gives us about 40% of the distance between the strikes. A couple of things we would expect coming out of earnings, obviously, the first being that short dated options premiums are probably going to come in and probably somewhat sharply. You'll also notice that we're only going out to September rather than, say, October like we did with the GDX trade. Generally, when you're buying options, you want to buy, you know, basically air by going a little bit further out in time. When you're selling options, you probably want to sell them somewhat shorter dated. I think this is a way that we can take advantage of a modestly bullish point of view on a stock that, by the way, derives about 60 percent of their sales from the professional side. And that's important because those that cater directly to do-it-yourself customers, that's a group of customers that can go online. And so they have more, basically, pricing pressure if you're at, say, an auto zone or something like that. The guys that are dealing with the professional customers, and they are largely dealing with professional customers, those are people who actually demand faster service, faster supply chain. And so that actually insulates them somewhat from that competitive pressure, which would be the Walmarts also and Amazons creeping in on that business. Well, speaking of professionals, we've got Tony here as well as Mike and Carter. But, Tony, what do you think of Mike's trade? Yeah, so if you look at Advanced Auto Part, this is a company that's pretty much a strong, steady growth all around. If you look at the chart itself, 
It's a strong steady growth to the upside. It has lost a bit of momentum here over the past month or so, but I do think that earnings catalyst next week could be the catalyst that shifts momentum back to the upside and back to brand new all-time highs. But if you look at the business, as Mike said, you've seen three years of strong revenue growth. The EPS growth is also extremely strong here. And as you said, about 12 and a half bucks next year's, which puts the stock currently at about 17 times next year's earnings, which is actually a discount, not only to the market, but also also to its relative history of itself about 18 times. So for those reasons, while the valuations here are attractive, I'm not expecting a big move here to the upside, but that's really why I quite like the selling the put credit spread here. And the fact that he's collecting 40% of the width means that even if Advanced Auto Parts does not uh, misses on earnings and we do see a, d a decline here, you're actually only risking about a dollar and a half for every $1 you are potentially making on this credit spread. So the risk to reward is extremely attractive, not to mention even in this challenging environment, if Advanced Auto Parts does not advance on earnings and it just stays here around this 210 level, you're still gonna collect the $4 on this trade. So the, for those reasons, that's why I quite like this particular trade. Hmm. Carter, what do the technicals tell you about AAP right now? Remarkably, of course, this has been a real laggard. We know that it peaked. If we talk about where we are now, 209, it was at 200 back in 2016. And only just in the past two, three months was it able to exceed its 2016 high. That's a long slog just to get back to even, well underperforming the market. The question is, is this breakout the beginning of something more enduring? It's a low ebb uptrend, and options is the way to do it. All right. Thank you, guys. Up next, break out your credit card. We have a trade update on American Express. Find out if it's time to ring the register on this one. We're back in two. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at a couple of our open trades. Last week, Tony expressed some concerns with American Express. Right now, what I'm concerned about is the valuations around American Express, which was, was justified based on the fast growth we've seen in the first half of the year. But as we start to see consumer sentiment sour, as we start to see travel slow down here, that's some of the concerns that I see. Going out to October, and I'm buying the 170, 155 put spread here, spending about $9 for the October 170s, and then collecting about $2.94, or just under $3 for those October 155s. Tony, anything changed? What are you doing with this trade now? Yeah, so if you entered this trade on Monday, this spread is now trading at about eight and a half bucks, which is about a 40% gain on the initiation of this trade. Uh, with a debit spread like this, we usually like to wait till about 75% gain to start taking profits, or if the stock breaks below the lower strike here. We haven't hit either one of those, so we're holding on to this trade for now. Also last week, Mike and Tony laid out a way to play the bond market. Somebody is going out and buying upside in that March 2025 future. But of course, because the options they're using expire in March of next year, they're expecting this move to happen sometime between now and then. And essentially what we can read into this is that while throughout much of this year there's been a lot of gnashing of teeth and speculation that the economy could potentially overheat as a result of a large fiscal uh, stimulus package in addition to easy monetary policy, betting on these euro dollar futures is actually speculating that rates could be lower 
for longer. I'm going out to October 1st weekly options and I'm selling the 148-143 put vertical. Earlier today I was able to collect about $3.05 for the 148 puts, paying about $1.19 for the 143s. Net net here I'm, pay I'm collecting $1.82 for this put spread. All right, a lot has happened over the last week in macro. Tony, how are you managing this one? Yeah, so this is a trade that's also still open. We collected about $1.82 if you did move your strikes up by about half a cent, uh, 50 cents, as I talked about last week. This is now trading about $1.40 right now. So you've made about 22% of the max gain on this particular trade. We usually like to wait till about 50% of max gain to take profits. So this is another one that we're holding on to for now. All right. We will be sure to follow up on that one then. Time to take some tweets. Our first viewer asks, Alibaba, time to go long? Mike. Yeah, you know, this is a really tough one, of course, because basically what the Chinese government has been doing has largely made the stocks themselves, I think, uninvestable. And that's really hard because, of course, this company is trading around 15 times full year 2023 EPS estimates. So, for a company that's growing as fast as it is, it looks very, very cheap. But I think you could begin to dip your toe in the water using options. And because options premiums are very high, I would probably use call spreads or call spread risk reversals, being sure to choose well out of the money puts to sell, though, to help finance that upside call spread. Hmm. That's an interesting play. Our next viewer asks, Peloton has been sliding lately. What trade would you use to hedge an equity position heading into earnings next week? Good question. Tony. Yeah, so one of the things that you can do is take advantage of the implied volatility by selling some cover calls on the stock position that you own and use the proceeds of those calls to buy some puts and purchase those puts to, prote to buy some protection, collaring your, your, strat your equity position going into earnings. All right. Our next viewer asks, recently Carter has mentioned he thinks the consensus is wrong and that rates are going lower. Would XLF puts be a way to play this, despite the fact that it has a strong-looking chart? Carter. Well, that's right. I mean, consensus uh, keeps uh, believing that rates are going higher, and yet rates are not going higher. Consensus was 2.5, then it went to 2. Now it's 1.8 on the 10-year. We're at 1.2, and it's about to be September. XLF, I think it's right to be shorter underweight, and puts will get you done. All right. Good stuff. Thank you, guys. That does it here for us on Options Action. We'll be back next Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern. But don't go anywhere. A special bonus edition of Fast Money is next. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.